wherever in the world you are. Welcome to the Hellstone Show with Michal O'Mahuna, where with each episode I explore interesting health and well-being topics with a thought-provoking guest. These topics can range from nutrition, relationships, spirituality, finance, creativity, mental health and much, much more, so that you can live a healthier, happier and more authentic life. Guests on the show vary from health experts, spiritual teachers, finance wizards, sports legends, to ordinary people with extraordinary lives. Find us on facebook.com forward slash The Hellstone Show, or you can also join our Facebook group, The Hellstoners. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Pen Interest under The Hellstone. Check out our new updated website, www.thehellstoneshow.com. And at the moment, you can receive a free copy of my latest ebook, Seven Ways to Boost Your Overall Well Being When You Join the Health Zone. Today, I'm chatting with world renowned inventor of mind mapping and expert on the brain, memory, speed reading, creativity, and innovation, Tony Bozan. Hello, Tony. <coughs> Good morning. So tell me, Tony, a little bit about you and the work that you do. How long would you like? (laughs) Uh, My life started because I didn't particularly like school. And my memory was not as good as I thought it should be. So I began to think about what does smart mean? And my best friend was wonderful in nature. He and I just loved nature. And when we went went out of school, we couldn't wait to get out of school. And when we went into school, we just played in nature. And we helped breed animals, insects, fish, you name it. Our houses were like little zoos. We didn't kill anything. We belonged to the Royal Societies for the Protection of Birds and Animals, Insects and Fish. I became a teacher, as well as being an author. And it's led to the rest of my life. And so far... I have written 140 books, 100, that's 140, and as I'm talking to you now, I'm in the process of writing five more, four of those nearly complete, and Michael, all you have to do is look down that row, and each one of those is manuscripts of the books that are now on the factory <laughs> for my books and when I'm in Dublin again I'll be writing while I'm there as well and tell me Tony what inspires you to do the work that you do what inspires me to do what I do is to see the light in the eyes of children and adults and even senior people where the light is the aha the eureka, the, yeah, I am as bright as I think. Yes, I can do what I want to do. Yes, my daydreams of being what I want to be can become and are becoming true. So the greatest pleasure for me is to see the brain of the human being be ignited. I mean, in a metaphor for 
the brain and memory. It's like a palace. And it's a gigantic, huge palace. It reaches beyond the ionosphere. And it has hundreds of thousands to millions of rooms in the palace. And that's your mind, your learning, your memory. And most people who are discouraged, who are told, you know, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're dullard, you won't ever make it. Where's your extra 2%? You know, you just got 98%. Where's the 2%? What's the matter with you? <laughs> You'll never make it. You're lazy. You're a slob. Um, and unfortunately, the feedback is, on average, 20 to 1, negative to positive, for kids. Uh, so many people have this giant palace and there are only a couple of light bulbs on in the basement of the, the palace. And when the lights go on, you see the whole palace emblazed with light. And that's the delight of my life. My goal in life, my global vision, if you like, is global mental literacy. To have everybody know what a magnificent gift the brain and mind is and are, and to know how they can use them. So my my first use your head book was an operations manual for the brain. You know, when I was a little boy and I would go and you know buy a little watch, you know, or a radio, what would I get with it? An instructions manual, an operations manual. What do I get with my brain? <laughs> Nothing. And so I was making notes on what works and what doesn't work in my brain. And sure enough, certain things began to be very obvious. Using my imagination was really important. Daydream, daydreaming was good, not bad, when you worked to make those daydreams come true. Using associations and connections help the brain. And so my goal now is just to make sure that every kid knows what I didn't know. And it's taken me 50 years to work it out. <laughs> and I'd love to have kids know it a lot easier than I did. Tony, do you think our education system enhances these capabilities? Yes and no. And that's a definite yes and a definite no. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> For me, the teacher is the most important profession in the world. When the teacher ignites the, the multiple intelligences of the child and the children, that's a good teacher and a good education system. Uh, a teaching system which only has them rote, R-O-T-E, rote, memorize, and put in the right answers in the right slots, in the right tests, in the right exams, to get the right statistics for the right mark, and that determines their future. That is not a good education system. That's a dangerous 
education system because it takes the potential and the magnificence and the beauty of the of the child's mind and stifles it, imprisons it, traps it. It's like you know they put a lovely bird in a cage and never let it fly. The education systems that do work let those birds fly. There are billions of Jonathan and Jane seagulls <laughs> and they've got to fly. And how important do you think it is for, say, a person to have a childlike and a playful nature when it comes to creativity, then, Tony? Play is crucial, essential. When I have taught, and I've now taught hundreds of thousands, live children, you know, I taught 9,000 in the Royal Albert Hall. When I've been in Dublin, in the concert hall, you know, I've taught thousands. And they have said, you can't teach children in classes of more than 23. And it's in the academic text. You know? <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> All the top Irish bands sang songs. And when they sang songs... There were, you know, like 10,000 to 100,000 kids. And after three hours in the concert, what did they do? They walked out of the concert singing these beautiful songs. So the classrooms can be great. And in Ireland, I've taught classes of 50, 100, 200, 400 with troublesome kids. For me, they weren't troublesome at all. They were often labelled delinquent or naughty or bad or ineducable. They were playful. They were naughty. They were mischievous. They were playful. And every living organism throughout the history of this planet and everybody on the planet now learns best when they play. So in simple answer, Michael, play is not only good, it's essential and vital to the future of the planet. Creativity decreases with age. Why do you think that happens? It doesn't. It does. It doesn't. It doesn't, no? No, it doesn't. It does when the brain is stifled, when it's put in the prison, you know, I often call them sentences are prisons. Prisons of sentences <laughs> when you're forced to take notes with them. Um, so the, the natural brain gets more creative as it gets older, when it's natural. And I simply asked you to go and check the geniuses in the history of Ireland. Did they all decline as they got older? No, they did not. They often got better and better. You, you look around the world, look at the musicians, where Ireland is populated with them, and poets. Very often, their best work came 
just before they passed on. I mean, Beethoven, Ninth Symphony, when he was deaf, <laughs> about to die, Verdi, Verdi, did incredible stuff. And his requiem in his late 80s and 90s, because he was frustrated, you know, my earlier work isn't good enough. Got to be better. Go and look at the uh, pianists in the world. Look at the conductors. Very often, the 70s, 80s, and 90s are the best in the world. So the studies that do show that the average human being gets worse as they get older, they get worse because their creativity has been blocked. It's been stopped. They've been prevented. They've been told not to play, not to daydream, not to sing, not to dance, not to play with your food. <laughs> so the brain says, oh, so I'm stupid. Well, then I'm... And everybody says, oh, yeah, and you're getting old. And even Michael has said today, you know, people get worse as they get older. And people believe it. So when you believe it, it's like a, a really negative virus. So people, by the time they're 30, and I've seen them walk into rooms, chatting with each other, and they have arm over shoulder, and they say, yeah, you know, you know what it, you know what it was like? When I was, when I was a kid, I could remember people's names and faces just like that. And now I keep forgetting people's names. Third person was saying, I can't remember. You know, I used to be able to remember numbers and now I can't. <clears throat> and my memory's going. And they keep their arms around each other's shoulders and say, yeah, I know exactly what it's like. Our memories are getting worse. We're losing our memory because we're old. And it's getting worse. And they're 30 years old. Now, the fact is that as you train your memory well, it gets better and better as you get older. And therefore, one of the things that I am going to be lecturing on in Dublin this very month um, is going to be on improving memory, on how to get better as you get older, how to learn how to study and mind that, and how to be healthy, you know, how to become mind and body. As you get older, your body needs to be fit because your body gives your brain oxygen and you need it. <laughs> and if you're just slouched in front of a computer or in a car or watching a telly, which is what people do far too much, the brain doesn't get the fuel, which is why it gets worse as you get older. So many of the studies show that older people get worse mentally but that's only because they train themselves to become stupider. <laughs> and what you've got to do is keep training your body and training your brain together. You know, the mensana incorpore sano. Healthy mind, healthy body. Healthy body, healthy mind. And that baton has to be passed on. Tony, there is a significant increase in the number of people being diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia in the world. Why do you think that is? Well, number one, the average age in the population is getting older. So the illnesses connected with age are now popping up because there are more of them. But the main cause of Alzheimer's is now generally thought to be in the medical arena, 
it's like a the brain is like a giant lake and it's filled with millions of rivers and streams and it flows in and flows out and that's the way the brain works now what happens to a big lake when all those little rivulets and rivers and streams are blocked what does the lake become there's no more water flowing the key word is stagnant stagnant and life in that lake dies same as the brain and it is increasingly now in the medical the neurophysiological academic area thought that Alzheimer's is often caused majorly caused by the inactivity of the brain and therefore the inactivity of the body and then no thinking because when some people get older they become vegetative and that's actually an insult to a vegetable because vegetables are really good <laughs> Tony, what would you suggest as ways for people to prevent dementia and Alzheimer's in their life? You have to learn how to learn. You've got to learn how to learn. <clears throat> Point number one. Point number two, as I've made before, but we put it in the, uh, the system if you like, you have to keep your body fit, muscularly fit, flexibly fit, and very importantly, aerobically Fit. You have to examine each of your multiple intelligences, your physical intelligences, your verbal, your mathematical, your ethical, spiritual, your sensual, your personal, your social intelligences. You have to explore and you have to work on developing each one throughout your life so that you become a well-rounded, a renaissance human being and everybody can be that and when you do that you're on the way to a very fulfilling mindful mind mapping life when you use mind maps you're using imagination you're using associations you're using your social intelligence you're helping communicate with people you're feeding your memory you're feeding your creativity so the mind map is a, it's often called the Swiss army knife of the brain. You know, wherever you want to use it, you can use it to improve your brain and improve your body and improve your multiple intelligences. Um, my Use Your Head book started, you know, that was my first step on the way to global mental literacy. And global mental literacy is... The idea of everybody knowing how the brain works, how the body works, and how to apply all that knowledge to fulfilling life. And Tony, do you think there is a link between creativity and mental health? 100%. Would you like to expand? <laughs> <laughs> creativity is based on the brain able to make new, original connections between the multi-sensory images. So you're, you know, you're, you're playing with this you know, multiple juggling. And so you're, you're playing with your 
smell, your hearing, your taste, your touch. And you make connections between them and you come up with new original ideas. Now, you do that best when your brain is filled with oxygen. Because then the connections can be physical. Zap, 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 zap. And you don't get tired. Because you're healthy, you're fit. You know, you do a creativity marathon. Which is what should happen. But if you're sitting there and your blood is like sludge and you're having an idea, oh, yeah, or you have five ideas and you get exhausted. (laughs) And you can look at the great creative individuals. What happened when they were creative? They would be aflame, aflame. And when they were aflame, their creativity poured out. James Joyce. William Butler Yeats. Shawnee, Seamus. Just poured out creativity. So you need to be fit on all levels and fulfilled. And I would add another important piece of advice is make sure you have time to have a meeting with the most important person you know. Yourself. You got it. (laughs) You got it in one. You got to have time to be with yourself, to talk to yourself, to your own mind to the other personalities you have in your head. You know, you're a multiple personality and everybody is. You have conversations with them. You've got to have conversations with them. You've got to be able to talk to nature. You've got to be able to talk to the universe. You've got to be able to talk to God. Not chattering away all the time. Diggity, 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 and no real thinking goes on at all. I heard you describe before the mind map as a photograph of a human thought. What do you mean by this? Yes. Well, making a sedge between uh, uh, being with yourself. Um, You've got to be yourself and be with yourself. And the mind map is... It's like a, when you put it outside, on paper, on a screen, it's like an internal photograph taken of your thinking processes. And when you have that kind of thinking process, whap, you take a photograph, and there it is on the screen. And... When it's on the screen, you can see it even more clearly because it's there and you can hold it and you can take copies of it. You can give it to friends. (laughs) And, you know, if I say to you, um, Dublin, when I say that to you, do you get a nice little computer printout saying D-U-B-L-I-N space 
what happens in your head? I think of Dublin. Yeah, the picture of it. Yeah. And do you get any connections or associations with it? Visually, I think of Temple Bar straight away. Yeah. Anything else? I think of colours. I think of the people. I suppose the feeling I get from thinking of Dublin. Yeah. Michael, you've just created a mind map. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and imagine if you were now writing a book on... Michael's life in Dublin, and you mind mapped it. Wow. <laughs> and it would be so easy for you to write it because you'd have all the branches there. The, the mind is naturally self organizing, it's beautifully self organizing. And therefore, when you, when you externalize it, it's already organized. You don't have to do point one, point two, point three, point four, bullet, 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 bullet. That's all linear. It's rigid. Imprisonment. We hear a lot of people talking about, oh, you've got to change your thoughts to more positive, empowering thoughts in your life. If one changes the picture, does the thought automatically change then? Yes. You don't have to change the picture. To change, you leave your thoughts as they are, and you create new thoughts, new images, because then you give that, that new habit, more power, and you leave your bad habit as your history. It's your archive, it's your library. And you know that, I, that I've just come back from Washington, D.C., America, and in Washington, D.C., I was given, do you know the Toastmasters? I do, yes. How do you know them? Because I've been there, I've done it for a couple of years myself. Well, you are now speaking to the number one, as they say, <laughs> Toastmaster. They, they gave me, on the 19th of last month, the Golden Gavel Award. Congratulations. And there are 330,000 members around the world now. And they made me the leader in communication, public speaking, and leadership. And they've given me the Golden Gavel Award. Now, the reason I'm telling you that story is that I got it on the 19th of August. That day was the 70th birthday of a friend of mine called Prince Philip of Liechtenstein. And on that same day, it was the 78th birthday of a black guy from America uh, who is a genius. And he was there on that day. And he's a leading thinker, philosopher in Toastmasters. His name is Paul White, W-H-I-T-E, and he's black. <laughs> Easy to remember, <laughs> Paul White. And today, on Twitter, they've sent a video of me signing my books after having received the award, and me talking about Toastmasters 
and Dr. Smedley, who started it all, and nobody knew about him. Have you ever heard of Dr. Ralph Smedley? Never know. No, he was the man who started all the Toastmasters. And he just a, a lovely, gentle, brilliant guy who just thought, I've got to change the world. And he just said, I've got to change the world. I've got to help people to learn how to gain confidence and how to communicate. Now, what is the purpose of your life? My purpose is to inspire other people to be healthier, happier, and more authentic in their world. Right. And Smedley, 100 years ago, was saying, well, 90, 80, 80 years ago, all I want to do is help people communicate, gain confidence, and then teach other people to develop themselves. And I thought, what? <laughs> I didn't know who he was. Nobody knew who he was. Do you think, Tony, that social media and technology are taking us away from our brain power? Definitely yes. Definitely no. <laughs> the question, uh, is a hand good or bad? It depends on how you look at it. Depends on how you look at it and how you use it. And, you know, I could use this to try to strangle you, to poke your eyes out, to decapitate you, to steal your money, or I could give you gifts. I could help you if you were drowning. I could help you if you were starving. So it's a phenomenally bad and good tool. My answer obviously is the social media the same. Social media, when it, when it is misused and unintelligently manipulated, it can destroy intelligence and thinking and friendships and family relationships and all the multiple intelligences, which is why an increasing number of people are wiping out. You know, they become like zombies. And when the screen is taken away, they go into a trance. They've lost their, their tube, you know, like from a spaceship, <laughs> the space oxygen tube the umbilical cord, they've lost it. So they become embryonic human beings attached to an umbilical cord. And that's only a machine. And as soon as they're cut off, they're basically dead. And many people now by the time they are three years old, babies, by the time they're three, their first skill in life is swiping. Swiping a screen. And they can't walk properly. <laughs> they can't talk. But they can swipe and get pictures and images. And when they lose eye contact, they lose the contact with human beings. 
I have many, many, many uncle or nephews and nieces who are step. And I'm a godfather to a number of kids. But I've actually contacted millions and millions of kids. And so I feel like a father, like a grandfather, like an uncle, um, like a friend, like a playmate. And so I would love to have been two Tony Bazans. I'd like to be a hundred Tony Bazans. <laughs> to have been all those individuals I have always dreamt of being. But as I am, I'm very happy with having millions of kids because when, when a baby is born, the first thing it does is crawl up the mother's belly to suckle. And when it suckles, as soon as it suckles, what do you think the next thing it does is? Eye contact. The brain is programmed to know that when it has eye contact with the mother, it is then born. And as soon as that happens, whap, all the chemicals change. So eye contact, totally crucial. You know, when you see people who are in love, do they look away from each other? <laughs> <laughs> Diving into the pools of their souls. So not having a kid is actually incorrect. We have billions of kids. It's just a matter of making contact with them. And the biological one it's fine and it's wonderful, but on one level, it's more important to give birth to the intelligences of billions of kids. It's giving birth to the intelligences, not birth to the body. <laughs> Socrates as well. Go and have a check of Socrates about the purpose of life and about what we do and about the soul. And what do you think the purpose of life is, Tony? Purpose of my life or the purpose of life? Of your life or of anybody's life? My life, as you already know, is to have given the world the ability to ignite its own multiple intelligences, to give birth to obviously billions and billions and billions of astonishing minds. That's my goal. My thought on the goal of life, when you watch life, right? what does life want to do? All life plays and all of it plays. And why does it play? It all plays to learn and to learn more and to survive and to grow and to evolve. And most of what it does is shares and just grows. Occasionally there's conflict. You know, I mean, go and look at a, look at a meadow. 
and much of it is just you know a whole bunch of flowers going <laughs> sunshine yeah wonderful <laughs> and bees let's get some honey yeah let's go wonderful let's go and have some more kids but then when another enemy comes in then that intelligence says us so they fight to survive but the majority of it of this development is play and experiment and learning and learning how to learn and growing all of these wonderful things so the purpose of life as you see it is to play to grow to evolve to enjoy to love which they all do even insects love and all animals and all the evidence is now popping up everywhere that animals love including fish you know mother fish in the ocean teach little fry little fish how to avoid fishing nets how to get the food off the hook <laughs> why because they love them and so the the goal seems to be over aeons you know, not just seconds minutes hours days months years centuries millennia but aeons it's the evolution of the multiple intelligences and it becomes self aware and the more it evolves the more self aware it becomes and nearly all the mammals are becoming self aware you know silver bag gorillas look in the mirror yeah that's me <laughs> <laughs> and certain parrots <laughs> that's me <laughs> so self identity we are now entering the dawn of the age of intelligence we're actually entering it you know we've gone through agricultural ages industrial ages we think we're in the information age and we're not you know we're it's still hanging around but we're and we're past the knowledge age knowledge is commonly known as what knowledge is knowledge is what people say knowledge is knowledge is wisdom i would that they did say that <laughs> <laughs> they normally say knowledge is power knowledge is power and of course it used to be but it ain't anymore because we are now entering the age of intelligence because now any brain can get knowledge which is wonderful that's another good example of the value of the internet and the electronic social media areas wonderful stuff you got to learn learn how to manage it and learning to manage knowledge is important but there's something far more important to manage than to manage knowledge you got to manage the manager of knowledge and the manager 
try that again. The measure of knowledge is the human brain. And the manager of knowledge, the brain, uses its multiple intelligences to manage. And we have to learn how to manage that well. And therefore, the purpose of the evolution is becoming increasingly apparent that around the world, you know, the, the highest level of multiple intelligences, which is we human beings, as far as we know, What's everybody now trying to do? Trying to learn how to learn. Trying how to communicate. Got to help people. Got to stop wars. Education, education, education. But some of them are saying education, education, and giving them all the wrong education. Right? So they want good education. They want to make it ethical. They want to make it spiritual. They want to make it kind. They want to make it loving. So my thought is that the evolution of us is to ongoingly help evolve the self-awareness of intelligence itself. And this intelligence, our brain, is made of what? Photons, electrons, neutrons. Protons, quarks, space. That's what it's made of. And it is saying, what am I? Let me get, let me get a microscope. <laughs> what is that thing, that bloody thing called an atom? What's that? What is that? Ah, oh, oh my God, wow. Yeah, it's been into, wow, geez. Oh, oh, hold on a minute. That's me. <laughs> uh, I must be more intelligent. So why aren't I more intelligent? Why am I so stupid? I better learn how to learn, better change that. Get a, more people get some physics. More astronomy need telescopes to see the end of the universe. What's going on there? Well, it's all stories. You know, looking at a bunch of stars, it's a bunch of stories. It's photons. And all photons are, are carriers of Phenomenal stories. That, those photons tell us that that twinkling light up there, twinkle, twinkle, twinkle star, is a fucking great star <laughs> that is four billion years old. <laughs> it's travelled for four billion years and it's travelled here and it's just gone into my eye, into my brain, bloody hell, I've just learned that that's not just a twinkle twinkle star it's a giant and maybe it's not there anymore but it's in my brain my brain is made of all that stuff who am I and so it's an example of the evolution of the universe it's almost the universe wanting to discover itself and is that God 146 on the way. <laughs> and Tony, if you were to design, say, the perfect school or university, how would it be different to the current education model? It's another book. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm writing that book. <laughs> it's right here 
It's called the equation. <laughs> um, but basically, schools have to be um, playgrounds. They have to be playgrounds. And the playgrounds need to be the playgrounds for the multiple intelligences. So rather than going into a brick building with classrooms that are filled with rows of hard seats and one teacher in front with a blackboard or whiteboard, it needs to be based in and around nature. The child needs to be taught everything about itself first to learn how to learn to learn what the environment is like to learn to explore to be encouraged to be curious to be given the freedom and encouragement to daydream the in fact i'm writing a book which i will have with me in Ireland, or the teacher, that a teacher is not a person who teaches something to somebody somewhere. The teacher is a guide. The teacher is a gatekeeper. The teacher is a mission controller. A teacher is an angel. A teacher is a telescope. A teacher is an assistant. A teacher is a minister. So the school needs to be filled with teachers who are given the highest form of profession, the most important profession on the planet, the highest paid. So in that school, it will be like the Plato Academy used to be. There will be people meeting talking, exploring, eating good, healthy food, doing sports, exercises, swimming, laughing, telling jokes, making speeches, writing, learning how to write, how to write poetry, learning to have musical instruments, and every child encouraged to sing to play musical instruments, plural, to write music, to compose, to be natural, because watch babies, they all do it. <laughs> they're all, you know, they're taking a piece of paper and bang, 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 bang making a drum, or they've got a phenomenal musical instrument called the voice, and they, ah, and explore it, and then they're told, shut up, be quiet, sit down, listen to me, so it has to be a playground, it has to be firm, it has to be organized, it has to be structured, it has to be free within that. Uh, it has to have firm principles that every teacher realizes that every child is potentially a genius, that every child is multiply very intelligent, that the brain and mind is a phenomenal resource that the teacher is the custodian of the wealth of the family 
and the wealth of a community, the wealth of a nation, the wealth of the planet, and the wealth is infinite. Look what one brain has done to change the world. Leonardo da Vinci, Newton, Maria Montessori, Madame Curie, Queen Elizabeth I, Alexander the Great. I mean, you name them. One thought, one mind, one brain can do it. So the principle of the schools is that, hey, you kids, this is the playground. And there are certain rules, you know. Don't go and try to steal somebody else's book. Don't try to go and punch people in the face unless you have studied martial arts and boxing, and you can go and do it formally. So it's got to be paradise. For me, when I was going to go to, to the university, I thought... Now, I imagine that the university was like what I just dreamed. Every professor would be fabulous. You know, it would all be free and exciting and wonderful. But it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, and it can be. And we now have the capacity to do that. And we need human content within it, not just virtual not just e-learning. E-learning will be part of that, you know, another lovely tool. But nature, I still think, is a better teacher than the media. <laughs> Tony, for anyone listening in now today, and they're looking at ways to develop their mind and maybe to even to have the capacities of an extraordinary mind, what would you suggest? I would suggest that the first thing you do is to make a hobby of yourself. Make yourself your hobby. Study your body and then learn how to use it. You know, learn about developing strength, about flexibility, about aerobic fitness, about these systems you have and how to strengthen those. Learn about the human brain and learn what it actually is. How many brain cells have you got? What can each brain cell itself do? How are you going to use those? Study about your memory, about your creativity, about your reading, about how to study, about how to learn. Um, get onto the social media. I actually use Twitter. I'm at uh, Tony underscore, it was at Tony underscore Buzan. And my Twitter is devoted to mental literacy, to intelligence, to art, to poetry, to communication, to mind maps. So from around the world, on my Twitter, there are thousands of mind maps from everywhere, including a beautiful mind map from a six-year-old child who did a mind map on mathematics and the multiplication two times table to teach his mum, who said she couldn't do maths, how to do the maths. So check in and I will retweet anything you tweet to me that is 
based on this kind of conversation we've had, anything that helps people help themselves and help other people. So it's a, um, it's a wonderful, it's a, it's a good news station, but it's more than that. Um, it's, a, it's like a mind map, an electronic mind map, where when you put in a key tweet, it radiates more tweets, more tweets. So it grows infinitely, spreading that news. I would recommend reading the Synapsia magazine, the Brain Journal. I've tweeted about that today, in fact. Synapsia is the Brain Journal. It's, uh, it's on the internet. It's synapsia, S-Y-N-A-P-S-I-A dot net. And it's virtual. So you can just click in synapsia.net and you will see all the issues of Synapsia from the 1980s through to the 2000s, and the new version edited by Prince Marek Kaspersky from Poland, living in Australia, and it's free. It's available, so you can read all the articles on the brain, on learning, and you can learn about mind sports, about art. You can look at the art of the art genius Lorraine K. Gill, you can learn how to learn from the magazine and you can become a contributing columnist if you write, dear listener, if you can write a really entertaining, playful, meaningful, educational, delightful article with lovely illustrations, images, pictures, Go and check the magazine and have a good think about I could also become a columnist for a magazine that already has more than 240,000 separate hits. So become a member. And continue to tune in to Michael, who's, who's actually helping you listeners how to develop yourselves. And that's the goal, isn't it? You know, you've got all this magical energy that you each have. Why not spend the rest of your life playing with it, exploring it, questioning it, developing it, and helping other people do the same? That will help this planet be a lot more happy and peaceful planet. If anyone wants to find out more about your work, how could they do it, Tony? Be hopefully seeing all of you listeners in Dublin this month at Jane Stevenson's big event in Dublin. And Michael's going to give you all the detail on that. And if you would like to contact me individually, you can go on my Twitter, again at the at Tony underscore Buzan, because that's a contact point. And also on my website, which is tonybuzan.com, T-O-N-Y-B-U-Z-A-N.com. That's my website. And you can check on the thinkbuzan, thinkbuzan.com website, which is also about the iMindMap software. And stay in touch with Michael, who's in touch with me as well. So help join the community network of those people who are trying to help other people and themselves to make this planet 
an even better place than it is. It's a pretty good place, even as it is right now. You know, we've got the option of being on Mercury, where the temperature is a thousand degrees centigrade with no air. You know, we could be on Venus with sulfuric acid clouds and a temperature of 450 degrees centigrade. We could be on Jupiter with winds of a thousand miles an hour. We could be on Pluto with no atmosphere, nice mountains, <laughs> and a temperature of nearly zero, zero, like 27, 273 degrees below zero, absolute zero. Or you could be on planet Earth, you know, with a few people having a punch up. Billions of people loving each other, having good food, playing, having kids, loving sunshine, loving good rain. So uh, join the We Love the Weather Society and, <laughs> and please come and meet us in Dublin this month. It's literally three weeks from today. See you there. I will be there on September the 24th to see you there, Tony. That will be fabulous. Thanks so much for your time today, Tony. I really appreciate it and I really enjoyed our, our conversation, our chat as well. So did I, which is why it's as long as it is, because I spend my time only to do anything that helps the planet. That discussion over it, you are not asking standardized questions saying, yes, and so what about next? And yeah, okay, and what about <laughs> you are a thinker? I suppose why you look at it myself is you only help one person by what you do, you're making a difference. Yeah, exactly. And how many how many listeners do you know? About 20,000 a month at the moment. It's growing quite considerably. There's a good, strong momentum with it. When I'm in Dublin and you're there, record me for 10 minutes on your 40th birthday. Sure, yeah. Because people will listen to it just because it's 40th birthday. And then they'll listen to it because it's you. You know, 20,000 a month is very, very good. And they'll listen to it because it's me. And they'll listen to it because it's Dublin. And look, yeah. I look forward to seeing you there on September the 24th. Fabulous. It's, it's in there. You'll be pleased to know that September 25th, the 24th is going to be the evening of the 75th birthday, which is the 25th of Lorraine K. Gill, G-I-L-L, the artist. And in Synapsia, in the current issue of Synapsia, there are like eight pages of Lorraine K. Gill's art and a summary of who she is. And she is the one who gave the, the um, ignition of mind maps and color in mind maps. So on that, on your birthday, it's her birthday evening. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll let her know as well. I'll tweet her whatever you've tweeted to me. I'm going to be in Zurich Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, London on Thursday. Then I'm back Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm with John Carter Bush. <laughs> writing poetry and music and he's also written fabulous novels children's stories and he's now number the number one 
non-Japanese European multiple martial artist, Raman. So it's going to be a full, a full month. You were busy month ahead of you. Yeah? Uh, what a wonderful busy. <laughs> Great. Happy birthday. Thanks very much, Tony. See you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, well done. Thanks, Tony. Bye-bye. Tony will be in Dublin on September 24th between 9.30 and 1pm at the Edmund Burke Theatre, Trinity College in Dublin too. You can find out more details and book your place on seminars.ie. Thanks for listening to another inspiring and thought-provoking show of The Health Zone. I am Mihal Mahuna. Just to remind you, you can find us on facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show or you can join our Facebook group, The Health Owners. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and pin interests under The Health Zone. To gain further invaluable resources on health and well-being, go to our website www.thehealthzoneshow.com thehealthzoneshow.com When you're on there, join The Health Zone and you'll receive a free copy of my latest ebook, 7 Ways to Boost Your Overall Well-Being. Finally, I would love to hear any feedback you may have on the show and even if there are any particular guests or topics which you're interested in, please email me on tunein at thehealthzoneshow.com Until next time, this is Hall. Thanks for listening and I wish you a very healthy happy and authentic week. Baby,